Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, this is Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. Gary McAllister, in my view, is the epitome of what the English Premier League doesn't have enough of. A guy with fabulous control of the ball who reads the game, sees spaces, but uses his feet to put the ball exactly where it should go, exactly where a teammate needs it. I knew that Gary was the man who put Pep Guardiola's European career at Barcelona to a painful end uh, with a 1-0 victory at Anfield over Barcelona. He thought it was a wind-up when he was asked to sign for Liverpool. When he did sign for the Reds, he wound everybody else up, ending in glory, sadness for him in the FA Cup final, but a magnificent part in one of the most exciting UEFA Cup finals there's ever been. Oh, and by the way, I didn't expect the sex toy. Obviously, there was massive celebrations after the game because the draw had been made. We knew we were playing Rangers. Oh, so the Rangers, that. the draw had been made. So Walter, Walter was at the game, obviously, and we, we bumped into... Who do you and think after, for? And after the game, it was an international game. So obviously, I was going back in the same flight as Walter and Bats... And the Leeds team went back to Leeds but Batty was going with England Gary Speed was going with Wales and we bumped into Walter and that was just after we'd been chaperoned through all the nightclubs and bars in Barcelona by a Barcelona legend Steve Archibald Steve. who obviously has to walk about Barcelona with a cap and a raincoat he, did, he was he's mad. I didn't realise how he is a proper ledge he Ooh, got his in everywhere front of the queue boom Steve Archibald in you come my first week when I moved there I phoned it and asked about I, this is not a euphemism I phoned it and asked about schools for my then my daughter he was fantastic he was brilliant and he did me like a kid but he went out listen when you're over we'll go out so we went out and we got out to the restaurant he said this is in London and I kind of knew what was going to happen then and I saw what it was like to be out in a town with Stevie Archer it was unbelievable wow. she was if I ever wished I'd been in a successful football before <laughs> I wish for it then and he handles it with good style and they all touch they all touch the yeah. Archie Goal and they touched the ear because he scored this goal with his ear against That's Juventus right, yeah. so you'd, you'd seen the libraries and the museums and but the art galleries there's also, and there's also a good story that 
that Gordon tells, and obviously he's an ex-teammate of, of Archie's theories. And, uh, Title winners. And they, Thank you. They used to do a wee bit of Mickey taking. So I don't think his start at Barca was great. He started pretty slowly. I don't know if stories grow arms and legs, but Gordon tells the story, and it's he's, he's at a press conference, and he's obviously got that. He's got the hundred mics, you know, yeah, two inches away. Exactly right. And the sort of first floor, the first question from the floor is, um, apart from doing nothing, what is it you do? <laughs> <laughs> and they, I think they always used to just ram that down his throat. Well, it's just so many years later. By the time I'm over there, and I don't know if everybody's like this, but Scots, we get irate. And Stevie's a firm character, you would mm-hmm. confirm. Stevie knows his worth. Mm-hmm. So he told me, this was in the years before Laporta's revolution and Clivert was still there and the De Boers and whatever. And we were talking away one day and I didn't praise Clivert, but I mentioned Clivert. He said, I take my boy down to the camp now specifically to tell him every week how much better than Clivert I was. <laughs> He's young and he needs to know. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> bravo Stevie, bravo, bravo. And, I, I wouldn't I, argue for a I second. Didn't. Stevie was a phenomenal footballer with yeah. great touch and technique, great and player. he still—I mean, it's really rare across the city, which he did play at Espanyol, mm. and to be remembered with affection too. And he had something that, with a slimmer body, but he had, he had some of the same beautiful control and holding the ball and using the ball that Mark Hughes did later. Yeah. It was much—he's such a technically good yeah. footballer. I just was not aware how big he was. You know, I know, I knew he was successful there, but yeah. you know, it wasn't until that night you realised he was he was massive. They think, listen, they got to a European Cup final, and although the, the experience itself was absolutely atrocious, they won the title, they beat Madrid regularly, and it was a time when Spain was beginning to open up because Franco had only died before Stevie went over there. Franco had only died about eight years earlier. When you've had a dictator for 40, 45 years, and mm. a cruel dictator who you know, the Catalans under his thumb. Some, yeah. It doesn't change overnight. And it, it, there was this blossoming. And if you get a sports team that won the league and was attracting Schuster and Venables and Archibald yeah. and whatever, it was that beginning to believe yeah. thing about, we, well... This yeah, it must have been a wonderful place <clears> to be at the time. Yeah. I guess it was extraordinary. So you fly back with Walter, having, as I said, done the, the tour, I think you said the art galleries and yes. libraries and, and, and Absolutely. cultural... Centres of Barcelona. So you're on the same flight back as Walter, and Walter's delighted that it's Leeds and you, or no, wish that had been Stuttgart, or, or no, because the, it was the first time that we were going to break into little groups, you know, and it was a shame because you know, very rare that the British and the English champions come up against the Scottish champions, and we had drawn the German champions. So to draw the German champions in the first round and the Scottish champions in the second, it was, it was a bit, we were unlucky. Yep, and it would be much better if we would avoided each other too. There were two great games, but it would be much nicer if the two has progressed and got an, an easier draw. It was just a draw that was, I don't think anybody really wanted it. What seeped into it, because <clears throat> it's a slightly difficult, well, it's an unusual position for you to be in. Yeah, because I'm, I'm playing against, well, there must be five, six in the Rangers team that are Scotland teammates. So that was, you know, my, my knowledge of Rangers was, I knew them inside out and I knew what the game was going to be like. A period where Rangers were obviously dominating Scotland, but they had good players. You know, they had very good players. You know, Hayley McCoy up front. McCall, Durant, Goff, Brown. Gorham Gorham was a bit special. Gorham was a bit special. And and, and on occasions, I'll flick the game on still. Generally, when I got up the road, my dad will have it on (laughs) to this day. And the game at Ellen Road, Eric Cantona's, Eric's Eric's threw in the goalie four times. Gorham out foxes him 
with his football brain. Gorham was a good player. He was a good outfield player. And he was very good in one-on-ones because he, he could read strikers. You know, he, he, thought, he thought more like an outfield player than a goalie. So he, he, he couldn't get big because he wasn't a big. You know, he just played, played right game. a confident bloke as well. A great keeper. Brilliant with the national team. Good cricketer. And I can testify to the fact that he's a bloody good table tennis player too because he no, thrashed me in Denmark. Swine. So it's... It's not too sore an experience because you know you're losing a quality team, but English teams and Rangers under Sainis, training's often divided into Scotland and England. There's a bite, mm-hmm. there's an edge, there's, mm-hmm. there's bragging rights, there's piss-taking. That oh, part I, must I, have I been. obviously got hammered. You know, the, the Rangers boys were all over it. You know, obviously when we met up with the national team, they were, get back down the road, you know, you're putting you in your place. You know, it was, there was all that. We, over the two games, John Lukic threw two in at Ibrox. We, you know, we scored in fifty. I scored in fifty seconds. You know, we, the, the place was silent. Quite a good goal. Would, would you like to quite a good desc- goal? Describe that. Well, goal. when it just arrived, it was very, one of those very ones. good so, goal. So, caught in the volley. Obviously, no away fans. That was agreed before the game, so it was the entire, the entire stadium was was Rangers fans. So from going at the kick off, when the referee goes to blow his whistle. I mean, I've never heard anything like it, and I can remember Strachan looking to me, and I looked to Batty, who looks to Speed, and the Fourers look across and go, "Wow, the noise!" You know, I had hair, I had a wee bit of hair, and it was every hair in my body was stood up. But then to go for that, to fifty seconds later, and there was an unbelievable silence. Mm. Has it been disallowed? Has somebody had a heart attack? Is there some? There's been a fatality somewhere. There was silence, mm. and I ran towards that Rangers enclosure. You know, my natural as I hit it, I run sort of that way to, and it was like, and I was greeted with some unpleasant. <laughs> what stage did you realise who you were running towards? Did, was there ever a, a, a like, I thought, yeah, I'll just check my run here and go back and, yeah. hit it well, but chose the wrong run. That's where the bears are. You know, I was heading oh. towards them thinking they were like, they weren't like applauding the nice volley. Yeah, nice. Look, um, I, I don't want in any way to, to let down Coventry and Leicester fans. So I'm going to rely on you to drive us towards that where it's important because they were both important clubs mm-hmm. for you. And um, but what I do want to talk about is the it's probably a dirty lie, mm-hmm. you know Jamie Carrick and what he can be like. But in one of the interviews, he, he said that Gerard was the coach <clears throat> at Liverpool, and I suspect that so the the next game up must have been because you were at Coventry, and so according to Jamie, hello Jamie, who you said. There's a fella in the midfield there and, you know, look at his age and his speed. We have to target him. He's the slowest player and we'll get, we'll get right on him. And it, as far as Jamie tells it, as you see mm. with Gordon and, and Stevie, they play, I don't know what the result is, but three weeks later, I'm <laughs> the same manager has yeah. gone and signed you. Well, you know, obviously I knew. Not that before day. that game, I no. Knew. Well, I, I was aware of Liverpool's interest. Really? And that was the thing. So that was coming to a... <laughs> A natural end of a four-year contract at Cove. I signed for Ron Atkinson. Gordon was his assistant, and then obviously after a year, Gordon took over. Gordon was aware that I was coming at the end of my contract, and they were basically monitoring my situation. I was 35, 36. I'd scored 13, 14 goals. Got a really good relationship with a young guy we signed from Wolves, Robbie Keane, who was brilliant, 19-year-old. Robbie probably put me in for half my goals little combinations he was a fantastic player great knowledge for somebody so young so no surprise when he 
he got his move to, to Inter Milan at the end of that season and I and I got to Liverpool which the first phone calls I thought was a wind up you know when, when, when I'd heard it how does it come? Struan Marshall who's, who's my agent ah, you know Struan he's yeah, a Scots lad Glasgow yeah. boy he looked after Stevie Cara Nicky Barnby Emil Heskey so he's got four or five at Anfield so the way Struan came to me he says well Gerrard's obviously really in the process of shaking off this Spice Boys image mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. something that he really wanted you know, obviously Roy had gone mm-hmm. that era he was trying the older players that were associated with that which I never ever bought into actually they were a good team they were a bit unlucky that team that team should yeah. have done better but the whole Spice Boys thing hung around them a wee bit and, and Gerard was trying to move the club away from that and looking at maybe a senior player that could come in and, and bring something a wee bit different out of you know the Monday to Friday. You know he was he was pretty clear. He says you won't you know you won't be playing every game. We want to bring you into lead by example the way you go through training. And I had I had watched Strachan mm-hmm. how he conducted himself Monday to Friday, and I basically copied him. I knew how important Monday to Friday was. It wasn't a case he just breezed through the weekend. He turned up on Saturday and you get eight out of ten. I, I knew what the gig was, but like every every competitive sportsman, once you get there, you think well. You know what, maybe I can influence things a wee bit more. Maybe, you know, and then you want to play. Mm-hmm. You know, that thought of, of just being the guy that try to take a lead from during the week. Why can't we be more influential on a match day? Wait, I, I'd never for a second, because if it sounds like this, it's wrong, suggest that because things are good at Coventry, and I, I'd imagine that a good deal of the people around the club and certainly the fans would be looking at Gary McCasser at Coventry saying, yeah, he's doing something he's doing something for us he, he's up there and, and the moment you go to Liverpool and that, and that competitive instinct mm. kicks in as well you're also looking and, and you're saying this is Liverpool and there's now new there's a, there must have been a different expectation I'm, on you no. as well and, and also if you were playing for the ghosts of Peter Lorimer and Joe Jordan I guess exactly. you were thinking yeah, I imagine so spot on so I've now got you know, I've now got the Gleish and Sunis and Hansen and Stevie Nicklin I've still got so I, you know, I always felt I'm, I can't let these guys down. Mm. My approach and my thinking was obviously I'd signed and, and first impressions are big. You know, even you know getting into a dressing room as an experienced former Scotland captain. You know, played a lot of football. First impressions are are massive. So you're I'm arriving pre-season. So I don't think anybody in that dressing room would have doubted that I could pass the ball and play. But I'm 35, 36. So. From minute one of the first day's training, my summer had been spent getting to a level of fitness where I would hit the ground running so that the players would see that I can still run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the first thing I had to try and show my teammates that, oh, yeah, mate, maybe a decent passer, he's been good at Leeds and won the league. But at pre-season, you can show people that... You want to be in the pack or you want to lead no, the pack? You, or you, you, want you, to... you want to be up in the top three, two or three. Again, I'm following the lead of a 35-year-old when I arrive at Leeds. Strachan's the 35-year-old, and he is miles ahead of everybody. You know, so it's and I think it worked. I think it, I think I, I think then you get that the respect that you that you're in. How did it come? Because you, you I'd imagine that you're not somebody who who tries to wrest the hierarchy towards you, but does it by showing what you're up to and showing what mm-hmm. you're like. What was the hierarchy? What was the politics of that group? So the, you, you'd imagine like Paul Ince had gone, Steve Staunton had gone, Steve Staunton was in the process of gone, Dominic Matthew had gone. So the, 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 there was 
There's a time of change. And that wee tea room, you know, and the, the stories, like we're doing now, we're talking about Brem, I'm talking about Strachan and, and the young Gerrards and Owens and Fowlers and Carras. You know, we're, we're sitting there as much as it wasn't just a British thing, but they're the guys that are drawn. You know, you're drawing the guys, they're the ones that are in early, playing a wee bit of pool and a bit of table tennis early in the morning before training. And you're, you're getting into their heads and, and getting their confidence. Telling them things or letting them ask you things or anything, just what we're doing now, just talking right over all the football experience, players and who you played with, Cantona, and just covering all the topics of, but all football. And how much does with with Gerard, oh yeah, having told you what he wants, to what extent does he kind of make sure he doesn't treat you as the teacher's pet, or mm-hmm. to what extent does he does he maybe? Give you a little bit to show that. Oh, absolutely. Phil Thompson, the same. You know, they were. I wasn't immune to any of that. You know, and I can. That's never. That's never been a problem. You know, when there's when it's there to be done, it's got to be done. You know, and so there was never. I don't think it was ever seen as getting preferential or separate treatment. What Gerard would do is he would come to me and go, "Be prepared. You know, we, we go Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday this week. You will play Tuesday, Sunday. You won't play this Saturday." Mm-hmm. So he gave me a nudge so that I could mentally get my head prepared for obviously being dropped I'm not playing this one mm-hmm. I'm going to sit this one out but then you know we'll maybe get a UEFA Cup tie at the time it was you know or and then and then there was a big game at the, on the Sunday so I, I, I got the little nudge of when I was playing and when I wasn't playing which is good management because irrespective of your age when you're that competitive you've worked hard enough to show mm-hmm. right from the start I'm a lead wolf yeah when you're left out, it doesn't matter what for. A little bit of warning helps because it's going to sting. Absolutely. You're going to be. It, it, yeah. I presume you didn't take it happily. You know, even the, if you there's, there's one. There's, there's one. There's one that obviously, which is massive to me, you know, and, and it really stung. It really it hurt more than probably one of the most disappointing. And then obviously the, the day turned out actually no bad. But we win the league cup. Mm-hmm. We're looking. We're going to get to the FA Cup final, Arsenal, and we're. We're in Dortmund to play Alaves in the UEFA Cup final. So, if you sat the whole squad in a, dr- a room like this, round this a, a big dining table, like this, and you asked every player in that room, I think you could cut the room in half. So, you ask the British players of the two finals, which one do you want to play in? Mm-hmm. Bear in mind that Gerard was always giving me the nudge of which one I was going to be playing in, mm-hmm. or which games I was going to play in. Know that I thought I'd play in any of them. Maybe I'll play in two of them. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me, I want to play in the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up as a wee boy watching FA Cup finals. I used to go down over the border with my, my dad and, my, and all his mates to watch live coverage of BBC England in Moffat. Because it was normally, it was always Rangers Celtic. We fed up watching Rangers Celtic. <laughs> We'd drive down into the borders at Moffat and watch the English Cup. So there was no Wembley at the time. It was, the, it was, it was the millennium. It's not Wembley. It's, but, it was, it's, but it was brilliant. But so I get told an hour and a half before the FA Cup final against Arsenal that I'm not playing and I'd scored I think I'd scored in four games in a row before it but obviously that was sweetened and Michael scored these two goals and we win the FA Cup and the celebration Gerard comes and nudges me in the side he says be ready you'll be playing on, on Wednesday in Dortmund in the UEFA Cup final so this is where I'd be a gutted, because you, then, you, you came on and ch- the game was Arsenal's for a long long oh, chunk of time you came battered. on and we changed get, things we get battered I, they battered I'm us. trying to be Oh, Gentle on how I say it, and I think they tar- Was it brutal hot? Because it, I, I thought it was brutal. Well, I had ice towels. Obviously, my 
I'm challenged a wee bit up here up top. I, was, I, think, I was, think it's the look. It was that is the look. Thank There's you. no doubt about that. But yeah. I think it was showing hundred degrees pitch side. Oh la la. One the you know the little thermometers were there. Obviously sixty thousand people inside there as well, but boiling. And and a good, hard running, clever Arsenal side that deserved their lead. They but they go, don't they? they? They particularly go in terms of the space that they allow, I think. Stefan Henshaw clears one off the line, which was just, he only used one arm, which I think <laughs> that's why he got away with it. But that was clear. So that's 2 0 in the game. Had been How's your luck? I mean, these things but, happen. But then I just uh, come on, and there was a free kick up into the back post. Marcus Babel keeps it in the box, and Michael swivels and whack, hits it on the half turn. And then Michael's second goal, it was. Great through ball from Patrick Berger and he's, he's running away from Lee Dixon and there can only be one square in the net where he can score and he hits it. He hits that corner. It was an, an amazing goal. I still to this day don't quite know how he did it. It looked impossible and it looks as if the keeper must get there. So you, you, there's part of his stays, well, how seeming no one saved it? But it's, it's a great finish. But you, I had felt, just watching, just as an observer, I was sitting watching with Johnny Greek and I said, this, this is turned, this is turned, there's only one side now. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Do you know by the end, I don't know, if you ever get a chance, to, uh, you know, I have watched it back, we could have won four. Mm. Even after that, we had two other chances, you know, which we, I think we had three versus one, Robbie, myself and Bergen were breaking away and we, we choose the wrong pass, but at the end we could have ended up winning three or four. For something one. about muscle memory, again, because they just, as soon as Arsenal's players realise that we've got this, we've got it, it isn't happening. And I don't know if it was your confidence or the quality throughout the team, or whether it was you, you were younger, fitter, whatever, as a group. Mm-hmm. There is a moment, and there was a moment where I could tell that I didn't know who was going to score or how it was going to come, but you just knew. And up until that moment, you, you couldn't really see how it could be, like, know, in all honesty. I think it's a trait as well that follows a select band of clubs. Many times they do it. Mm. Many times the Liverpool get that last minute. Celtic, Rangers, Manchester, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. Is it, it attitude? It's just that never ever surrendering or saying you're beat. Yeah. At no point you just don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes and we'd that'll... been beat. Honestly, we'd been. It was a yeah. proper beating Arsenal. It was a. It was a proper. I hope that wasn't lesson. exaggerating that. It was a massive doing. They were very good. Also. They were very good on the day. And to come out, they couldn't believe it. They were shell shocked. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Win three trophies, you go into Liverpool, you're an absolute legend, you're adored by the fans. We're going to talk about you going and win a, a European trophy, but 
it still stings you bitterly that he didn't start. Whereas not starting and coming on and influencing the game is, is, yeah. a, is a glory of its own. But but at the time, honestly, I wanted to play in the FA Cup final because that was all the, the foreign boys, all the European lads. They hold the UEFA Cup in such high esteem. They wanted to play in the UEFA Cup. Yeah, that would have been my choice, UEFA too. I'm a, yeah. I don't know why, but since I've been born, Europe, Europe, Europe. Yeah, UEFA Cup. You know, and, and it was a, it's it's a UEFA Cup when it was, you know, bearing in mind Porto, yeah. Roma, yeah. Barca. Yeah. You know, Alaves was the weakest team we played in the final. Well, before we let you back to the world, and before we talk about Alaves even briefly, I need to say that you know, I, I think you. You might just be forgiven by Pep Guardiola now, but you broke that man. Because this, it's the semi-final, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Barca draw Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And the second leg's at Anfield. Stevie's mate, Patrick Cliver, maybe... What was he doing? Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was a floaty corner mm. up towards the back post area. Looked as if Cliver was favourite to win it. And then he goes up and leads by his hand. I think he thought he was going to take one from behind and he... For some reason, he swings his arm, and it's a it's a stonewall penalty. Penalty, and uh, you know a little bit of shenanigans before the penalty. Is there any doubt about who takes it? No, Is it no. absolutely clear. Nailed on. I've got the ball. Yeah, there's nobody coming in. I'm I've got the ball. So as I go to place the ball, Puyol is ranting a wee bit on in Spanish, which I have no idea. But he's, it's not. It's obviously not nice what he's saying. So marks the card a wee bit there, and again I go. I go high up to the keeper's left, probably higher than I wanted to go. You know, that <laughs> little moment where your heart flutters and it's like, oh, you do That's where I meant to put it. And right in the postage it went. <laughs> so it's maybe two feet lower than that that I'm looking at, but it, it goes up into that area. My first instinct is just to turn and look for Puyol. I give him a wee bit of Scottish straight back in and sort of swing a clenched fist, you know, of bang, you're out, we've done it, it's late in the game. I think I catch Stevie as I follow through I catch Stevie comes to <laughs> jump on me and I clip him a wee bit on the side of the head but Puyol was he was looking for me he was trying all sorts before it see you weren't and Stevie does the same to Pep at the end there's a brilliant picture I don't know if we've talked about it before there's a brilliant picture Pep's trudging off looking disconsolate because he knows that's his last European game he's announced he's leaving he half thinks he's going to Old Trafford and then Steve Stevie just gee just presumably an exuberance Shaven head, you know, sweet head. Mm-hmm. He's running up there, looking youthful and young as well. But he's, there's a picture catches Pep downcast, not even looking as Stevie G is an inch away from him, bawling at whistles going. <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant. <laughs> it's football's version of Ali over. Right, you know, his, it's his, just right. His, right his and they take that. But you and Pep were, were similar as footballers because he played systematically, mm-hmm. really systematically. Maybe not identical, but similar um, skills and similar knowledge of what the ball was for and, and an understanding of how to pull strings either of opponents or fellow players. I guess it was all about winning and you didn't know that he was last game for, in Europe and all that stuff. But any memories of actually what playing against Pep was like? Did, did he stand out or was he just another obstacle? Or, oh, there, there, in fact, there, in fact. Oh, wow. It's lovely. It's a lovely pitch, isn't it? No, you did. My, you know, my feeling with Pep, it's he was a real continuity player. Yeah. You know what? I think he could play in any company. He's one of those players that could receive and take, not necessarily hurting you with passes or. But I don't think it broke. It never broke down. It never broke down at all. A guy that you know the knowledge of the game and receiving, knowing where the opponent was, all the little things that you need to know, and you can see 
that knowledge being passed on to the to the ones that followed, Chavin and knowing where they are and knowing where to turn, always turn it to the safe side, playing the ball to the safe side of your part of your mm-hmm. midfield partner, away from the defender, weight of pass, all the all the little things that you associate with class acts. Have you enjoyed watching his team's brilliant football? Oh, he, he can't not, you know. As much as I know, there'll be people saying that they pass for the sake, you know, they pass. No, breathtaking to this day still. What do you imagine is going to happen in England as, as, as a result of Pep's style of playing, talking, thinking, teaching, changing? He's got maximum respect here. You know, I think that's the thing. I think he'll get that from the terraces as well. Mm. But I think, just like a lot of the guys that come in, I think there'll be a quick realisation, and no disrespect in the Bundesliga and uh, in La Liga, there's gimmies in both those leagues. There's no gimmies here. You know, you'll find going to... Norwich, who might be in the bottom, or, you know, whoever's in the bottom three or four, wherever they play them, whether it's at, at the Etihad, it's going to be hard work every 90 minutes. They're not going to be the, the fives and the sixes, which he's probably got used to over the, the last, what, five, six, seven years. You know, Bayern are capable all the time. And they, they have fours, fives now. The number of fours, fives at, at Barcelona. For me, I, you know, watching those games, you, you know, it was. The acceptance of the opposition, that won't happen. He'll realise that doesn't happen here. They don't go under. I don't think teams go under as easy. It's interesting. It's fascinating. I think, in that case, maybe it's going to be a shock for him. Because I, think I, Jürgen's, I think Jürgen's fine in that. I, think he, I, I don't know if he can... The, the intensity, just like, how do these guys... How, how are Palace get these players? How, are, how have... You know, how? Do you know what you've put your finger on? The first interview I ever did with Rafa Benitez was at Valencia. Probably in... 2002 or three, and it, he, he wasn't much for interviews then but he, he granted one it was at Paterna training in Valencia and he told this anecdote about I think it's now commonly known maybe it's commonly known because I, I wrote it and it came out in the UEFA page a decade and a bit ago God. Um, that he got in touch with Steve McLaren he'd gone to work at the cliff I think before Carrington to study Alec Ferguson working and he admitted that what he bugged Steve McLaren over and over and over and over about was how do you get your players to be so hungry and aggressive and never give up and never say die and what do you teach them and how do you and Steve McLaren who maybe isn't archetypically yeah. like that himself because he's a thinker yeah, and yeah. he's a he's a quick mm-hmm. like to change it. he went it's in our blood it's in the blood that's the way we yeah, are the, some is that the, true some of the foreign lads they really can't come to terms with how intense and how determined British players are every day you know on a five a side on a Tuesday they're like what are you doing they, they don't get the, the, how much they want to win a little six a side across the pitch and the, and the good ones come and buy into it and, and, they, and they enjoy playing here but they, they don't I don't think that happens in other countries that, that real Desire to win a 4v4 See Pep was like that Pep was like that Every day mm-hmm. Is like that I was warned very early When I was getting a bit angelic About Pep when he took over And I was like oh, be right. And players who'd played against him Said hey, Hold on a second He'd stamp on your toe He'd put his finger right. in your ear He'd well, kill your parents Everything and, and it was won. To win no. To win To win To win no, But his intensity I understand what You're saying a slightly different thing Because the, it's not the intensity He's going to bring mm-hmm. It's the intensity He's going to be hit with But the routine The travel The incessant demands the, yeah. the way in which No team rolls over What I want to discover mm-hmm. Talking at the side Mike I'm talking to an expert now But what I want to discover Is whether 
Pep's going to instil exactly that same type of ferocity and intensity in a group of players who are expensively put together and are exceptionally talented and I wonder if maybe the, the effect might go the other way and that's the beauty of finding out well, I don't know the well, answer you know you would, you would I look at his CV and I go why Man City and no Man United yeah, you're on ground that I get a lot of grief about and, and let's, let's know, just know. share I, I know from having spoken to him about his first meeting with Alex Ferguson when he was, thought he was going to sign as a player and how bitterly disappointed he was about not going there and I know from having spoken to people who have worked with him who are going to work with him again that his passion for history and tradition mm-hmm. and, and pressure mm-hmm. and ghosts looking down on his yeah. shoulder and pushing him on made him for years and until relatively recently in my private schedule mm-hmm. if I could tick my boxes mm-hmm. it would be United and not City although he's close friends with Jacob Bagherstein yeah, yeah. and there's and a good the respect with Farhan the big... but and when City didn't get him when he left his sojourn in New York they thought they had him and they were irate mm-hmm. that he went to Bayern Munich and if you want my honest opinion mm-hmm. what has happened is City kept on working very 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 but, hard and United went to sleep and they've, they've come off the boat yeah that's what I that's think no happened because you know you look at the people who are now the movers and shakers at United I don't know it if has they, changed they, you know, if David Gill had been there it might have been different I think it would have been massively different um, yeah that's my opinion and I'm not being mm-hmm. deliberately mean about think, it but I think how will it affect the players I think you'll find out immediately and they'll be skillful enough to go I think all the players will want to go with them but they might be players who can't do it yes I don't think he can call him and say, well, you're inept. He might just not be able to go with that intensity the way he wants. And he'll have to be given time to recruit. I think it's going to be a choppy time. And I think that I, my appreciation is that within the football community, although I disagree with those people, and certainly within the media, there are people waiting to say, hey, look, you see, he's it's not, not that easy, all yeah. that. It's so easy in Germany. It's easy in Spain. Yeah, and we always said that. And I see people, I saw them in 2008. They were a rabble in 2008. Mm-hmm. Your mate Puyol was the only one who cared anymore. Frank Reichardt said, I'm embarrassed about what state I left that club in in 2008. And Puyol was almost in tears trying to rally everybody. So when Pep came in and they now say, ah, he took over out, they were in a state. Yeah. Exactly. And it changed things. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll let you go on a golden, golden, golden memory, unless there's, unless there's things about Leicester and Coventry we have to see. Because I, I guess... Alaves is still... Has there been a better night for you in football than that? No, I don't think so. You know, been, I think I was involved in all the goals, scored a goal. We touched on it earlier. I was given man of the match and presented by Johan Cruyff. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? I'll kind of do it, on it? That was sort of Little Britain like, wrote was, the theme tune, sang the theme it tune. It was like, it was just one of those nights. Heck of a stadium I've too. I've got to say, we go 1-0, we go 2-0, I think we're winning 5 or 6. Yeah. And then the one little thing, you know, Gerard really was brilliant to me. This was maybe one of the reasons why we didn't quite just get the win in the league at Liverpool, because the following season we were unlucky second to Arsenal. At 2 0, information comes on Gary, Didi, stay behind it, Stevie, let's, let's protect what we've got. Rather than being having that cavalier, if you're going to win a league, you've got to, at some point, you know, you, you go. Go and win five, go and win six. What he knew best was what to protect what he had. We were cruising. And then Alaves make a couple of brave substitutions. Mm-hmm. They're in it, they're back in it, and it turned. Mm-hmm. We are rocking. 
and Robbie Fowler comes on and gets a goal and, and the <laughs> this is a wee bit left field but one of one of the memories that I have of, of the game that night is just as Robbie's warming up to come on I'm taking an, a corner so Westfall Stadion obviously you know the yellow wall it's fantastic Alaves have got that yeah. and then Liverpool have got the other three quarters of the ground so I'm in the Liverpool end of the so it's all Liverpool fans and I'm just about to try and hit a little corner to Emil Heskett in the near post and Robbie's stretching his hamstrings getting ready to come on short run up just try to dink it to the near post and something comes flying out the stand you know from high and it comes whizzing past my ear and I'm thinking boom comes whizzing past Robbie past me and thuds into the deck you know and obviously it's a very memorable night but this is one of the things that sticks in my mind from the night and on closer inspection <laughs> Fowler and I look at it and we go yeah it is and it was the biggest double dildo <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And, and as cool as you like, Fowler, Fowler flicks it up with his right peg no. and volleyed it back out of the crowd. <laughs> and, I like, that's, and I'm thinking, that's, you know, and you think back, and that's one of the things, like, oh yeah. Fowler. Who makes that plan? You, you, you're at your house and you like scarf, yeah, ticket, yeah, passport, yeah. Double, 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 double. Who's? All right, lads. Where is it? it Who's left it behind? Wow, it was like. Wow. Thank the Lord it didn't hit. So, but, but, but great night. And, and this, <laughs> I never knew that. And you know the, the, you know the golden goal. To this day, if you, you get a wee chance to ever see that ball hitting off the head and get into the back post, four or five year boys go back to the, they the centre. Know. They don't know. You knew, eh? I knew. Yeah, but. Um, if I'm thinking back Sammy Hippie Marcus Babel Didi they're, they're going back ready to wow. see you at the game I hope in the celebrations there was a wee bit of punishment for uh, you know because it's a hard it's a hard school of knocks in the dressing room and if you go back to the centre circle there's got to be some by the way we were ushered back into the change room with a wee bit of photographs and that taken and then we were straight on an aeroplane heading to the valley to beat Charlton in the last game of the season to secure Champions League. So the 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 which you there was nothing after the game, and a celebration of several days later is good, but it's not quite that. It was a good trip back from the valley. I've I would got to say. say, but the euphoria, that mad euphoria. Yeah, it couldn't do it. We were, were literally with a massive, probably a bigger game, as far as it's the the, the you know that pragmatic revenue. We're trying to you know try to attract players. You've got to win the Champions League, and this is the way to win the game at. Uh, the Valley The Golden Golden Night um, I say it over and over again But it's deadly sincere This, this is a massive privilege Pleasure Brilliant. Thank Enjoyed you very that. much indeed yeah. I knew it would be good fun good. A legend good fun. talking about football no, it's, it's what I like doing I, I don't know anything else 